If you're alive, you have a purpose. Rick Warren said that. If you're alive, you have a purpose. If you're breathing, you have a purpose. I don't care how young you are. I don't care if you're like Doug Knight and you're 103 years old. You have a purpose. That's a simple statement that seems very common sense. But very few people believe that. You were created for greatness. You were created to accomplish whatever mission God has for you. I think the most pathetic people in the world, pathetic's a strong word, the saddest people in the world are those who think they're simply put on this earth to go through the motions. That some cosmic force came together, created them, and they're to get up every day, go to bed every night, get up every day, go to bed every night, until they no longer get up. What a pathetic existence. What a miserable life. Yet so many people live their life with that mindset. And then I think what's even sadder is the people who live their life with that mindset for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, are exposed to the fact that they were created for something more and still settle for what they've always done because it's easy. They become comfortable in their discomfort. This is all I, I love when people say, this is how it's always been. And you've always been pathetic. Look at your life. I'm not trying to be cold-hearted today. I'm giving you reality. If you were to be honest and look back over your life, you've lived a life that was miserable of you being unhappy, of more heartache than victory, and you have a victim mentality, and yet you still won't flip the switch to realize you have a purpose. To say you have no purpose means God makes junk. That God makes mistakes. To say life is to be lived going through the motion is to insult the creator of the universe who looked out into nothing and created everything. We serve a creative God today. My wife has been on this kick lately of how beautiful North Georgia is. And it's beautiful. There's no way around it, man. North Georgia is beautiful. And the fact that we get to live here and experience all that North Georgia has to offer is amazing. But I've seen pictures of other places that are beautiful. I'd love to go out to Wyoming and Montana. There's parts of eastern Tennessee that are gorgeous. God has created beautiful things. and I mean, to look at the creations, the creatures, the animals that God has created... He's a creative God. A God that can take the landscape of beautiful summer and paint it with the colors of fall. He's an amazing God. And if you put so much time and so much energy into all those details, 
The Bible says we were created in his image. The Bible says that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. We are a whole nother level in our making compared to the geography that God created. To the animals that God created. To the, to the vastness that God created. Every freckle on your face God created. Every experience God created. Every fine-tuning God created. God created you for a purpose. And yet we waste this amazing gift called life going through the motions. And the reason for that is, is we have an enemy who wants nothing more than to steal from us and rob from us what the Creator created for us. It's impossible to believe in God without believing in the devil. There can be no hero without a villain. There can be no good without bad. And we have an enemy. And we have an enemy that the reality is he's winning the war on earth. The devil doesn't need you to go out and be a horrible person. The devil simply needs you to become a person who goes through the motions and misses out on the greatness that God created you for. The Bible says this in John 10, 10, The thief only, comes only, to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy and kill your ambition and destroy your purpose. That's his only purpose. And if he can do that with you just living life, going through the motions, then how all the better. Christ said, I have come that you may have life, and not only have life, have it to the full. See, God says it's not enough that you just get to have life. And what an awesome blessing that is that we have life. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. To experience everything that I have for you. To wring every last drop out of that sponge. And if there was ever a time in life where we ought to experience the, the, um, how fragile life is, it would be this time. And if there would ever be a time we would make the most out of the time that we have on earth, as so many of us in the last year and a half have known people that have went on before we thought it was their time. It's this time. If you're still alive, God has a purpose for you. If you're still alive, you have a purpose, and that purpose is not to live in fear. That purpose is not to live going through the motions. That purpose is not simply to survive. That purpose is to thrive. And it sounds like good preaching. And it gets us pumped up. And we amen that and the blood gets pumping. We're like, yeah! Until we have to live it. And the large majority of us, including the large majority in this room, will leave here today just like you came in here. Full of excuses. Full of settling. 
full of living less than what God expected for you. The reason for that for so many of us is simply the haunting. We have things in our life that we allow to control us. We have things that come along that we can't see in the physical But in the emotional and the mental and the spiritual and the relational, they come along and they haunt us. They're reminders that we don't feel like we are worthy enough to live the life God created for us. They're reminders that we're less than perfect. Let me remind you something today you're not perfect. And if you think you are, you're not. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one. You're a screw up. I'm a screw up. Every single day. The haunting comes along and it rears its head in different ways. It rears its head in bad relationships that we can't move on from. It rears its head in self-doubt. I've stepped out to do this and do that and now I'm doubting that I make the right decision because it's hard right now. And the haunting comes along and we freeze up and we become prisoners to the haunting. The haunting scares us. My last night, my daughter and her friends went to Paranoia Haunted House. They're teenagers. They go every year. They go 500 times a year. I don't know why. I guess because it's Canton and there's not a lot to do. And last night, the high school kids were all going to take Luke with them, the 10-year-old. And Luke loves to hang out with the high school kids. And the high school kids were jacked up and were saying, hey, He's scared to death. Don't make it worse. We don't baby him, but we're also not going to make it worse. And we're sitting there eating him. Luke's shaking, and he's white as a ghost. And so we asked Luke, do you not want to go? It's a lot of money to go to Paranoia. I think it's $35, something like that. It's not the end of the world, but we're not just going to throw money away. The, 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 the. Answer us, son. Do you want to go? Or do you not want to go? I think, I think I'll just stay here. Okay, we're not going to force him to go. We're not going to mock him for not going. So we say, okay, he doesn't go. Christine leaves and she takes the kids. And I call Luke into my room. Because my job as a parent is to raise a champion. Now, going to a haunted house doesn't make you a champion. But my job is to let him know it's not okay to go through life timid and not willing to take risks. I said, son, why didn't you want to go to the haunted house? Well, uh, uh, um, uh, and he's stumbling and spitting, and I said, answer me. Well, I, I didn't want people to jump out at me. Okay, cool. <laughs> Get it. I said, son, I get it. 
I said, let me ask you something. Do you think those are real monsters jumping out at you? No, no. I said, cool. I said, they're people dressed up. I said, would your dad and your mom ever allow you to go anywhere in life where something would hurt you? No. I said, right. I said, did you know that the night before I had wrestling and we didn't get home till about 1 and we were at the Waffle House? Because that's what you do at 1 o'clock in the morning. We're at the Waffle House. I said, guess who came into the Waffle House while we were there? Who? I said, all the workers from the haunted house. People like you and me that were just dressed up. I said, so you allowed something that wasn't real to rob you of a fun night. I said, what's your favorite thing to do? Hang out with the older kids. Right. I said, do the older kids ever want to hang out with you? No. Right. I said, did they want to hang out with you tonight? Yeah. And I said, you allowed fear of nothing to keep you from having fun. He said, am I in trouble? I said, you're not in trouble. I said, you punished yourself tonight. You're now home on Saturday night with dad, watching a documentary on a doctor who kills people. Sounds real fun for a 10-year-old. It's easy to laugh and say, oh, but that's what we do. We allow the haunting to come along. Something that has no ability to touch us unless we let it. There's no ability to affect us unless we let it. And we allow the haunting to keep us from living the life that we chose to live. Choking to death up here. The haunting. In case you didn't know, we're on the winning side. In case you didn't know, is greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We don't lose to the enemy. We don't lose to this world. We don't lose to the haunting. But some of you have allowed the haunting to take over your mind and your living life less than what you were created for. And it's pathetic. I'm not here to beat you up today because the reality is you're punishing yourself like Luke did last night. You're the reason you have no purpose in life. You're the reason your relationships are not good. You're the reason you've lost everything over your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups. You're the reason you have no finances to get back on your feet. You're the reason you're in the mess you're in because you allow the haunting to keep controlling you. Now, let me make this very clear. There's going to be times you go through tough spots. You make a drastic change and you're starting over. But we don't stay there. The enemy tells you you, this is all you will ever be. So we're going to look at subjects. We're going to look at bad relationships through this series. We're going to look at emotional things like anger. 
that haunt us and keep us. We're going to look at things like addiction that haunts us. And let me make this very clear to you. We have this mindset that addiction is only drugs and alcohol. Oh, no, 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 no. Addiction is anything that controls you and keeps you from being less than what God would have you to be. So, it's always funny when it comes to addiction to me. Because addicts always think that other people have it worse. Alcoholics, well, at least I don't do drugs. And then drug addicts, well, at least I don't use needles. It's like they judge, you know what I mean? At least I don't watch that kind of porn. You know? Addiction. Well, that's going to be a fun series. But today I want to talk to you about what I think is the number one thing that haunts people. Today we're going to talk about learning from our past. That movie you play over and over and over and over and over and over in your head. The devil loves to come along and remind you of what you did. It's so cliche and this is so Baptist and this is so bumper stickery. But I love that bumper sticker that says when the devil reminds you of his past, of your past, remind him of his future. You can't be used by God. You did this. You never have a healthy relationship because you did this. Who do you think you are that you deserve happiness when you hurt this? The past. Here's the thing about the past. You can't change it. Let me give you some groundbreaking news today that you may have never heard before. It's earth-shattering stuff. In this life, you are going to mess up. (laughs) And when you mess up, there will be consequences for your mess up. Matter of fact, some of you are doing a disservice to your children by not having consequences for their mess ups, but that's another sermon for another day. The proof's in the pudding. In this life, you're going to mess up. In this life, you're going to screw up. In this life, you are going to do things that you wish you could change. (laughs) You're going to make mistakes. And I think the worst thing about our past and the worst thing about our mess-ups and the worst thing about our screw-ups and the worst thing about hurting people or making decisions that affect everything is no matter how bad they hurt, And no matter how bad you wish you could change them, you can't. Let me make this very clear to you. If you were a bad father, you can start being a good father. But you cannot go back and change the fact that at one time you were a bad father. If addiction took over a stage in your life, you can get victory over the addiction. But you cannot go back and change what happened as a result of your addiction. As much as I wish we could buy an old DeLorean, what speed limit did you have to hit in the DeLorean? That was it, 88? Oh, wow. That seemed easy enough. Will DeLorean do 88? 
Anyway, as much as I wish that we could get a DeLorean, go 88 miles per hour, go back in time and change it, you can't. You can't go back and undo what you already opened. I'll never forget, I was a youth pastor for two weeks. <laughs> Wasn't wired for youth. <laughs> yeah, no. But one of my weeks as a youth pastor, I was talking about sin, and I had five tubes of toothpaste across the front. I had a competition, brought five kids up, and I had them. Who could get the toothpaste out of the tube the quickest? It was a mess. It was everything. I said, great. The kid thought he wanted to say, we're not done. Now, who can get the toothpaste back in the tube the quickest? Impossible. So you can't undo what you've already done. And the devil knows you can't undo your past. So the greatest tool the devil has is to remind you constantly of your past. The devil loves to identify you by your past. The devil loves for you to replay on rewind. Kids, rewind used to be a thing when you had VHS tapes. You would put it in, or you had these things called cassette tapes, and you would rewind back to a certain point. I know that's a new concept for you, and you've never heard of that, but it was an amazing thing. There's no one here is perfect. In life, you're going to make mistakes. They might be small mistakes. They might be huge mistakes. But the reality is we're going to make mistakes and there's no way around the mistakes. You can't go over the mistakes. You can't go under the mistakes. I don't know what your mistake is. You might have married your mistake today. Don't say amen to that. You might smoke your mistake today. You might drink your mistake today. You might lose your temper and it's your mistake today. I don't know what your, you might sleep with your mistake today. I don't know what your mistake is, but I know that each and every one of us, you might eat your mistake. Mistake, not steak. Steak is never a mistake. But we all have a mistake. Man, there's no avoiding it. There's nothing you can do to go back and make it unhappen. It's part of life. But for most people, the problem is they'll never live the life God created them to live because they can't get past their past. It haunts them. They close their eyes at night to go to sleep, and the haunting starts on replay. You start your day in prayer, the minute you start to pray, the haunting starts in your head. You're out and about town and you, something happens and it triggers you and you're reminded of the haunting in your head. That voice saying, remember when? And I ain't talking about the Alan Jackson song either. You don't deserve happiness. We've got to take our past, and we've got to learn from our past. And I've dealt with a lot of people, and there's one of two ways people handle their past. The first is people allow their past failures to define them. This is what Satan wants to happen. He wants your, 
you to allow your screw-ups to define who you are. He won't <laughs> He wants you to be known by what you did instead of what Jesus is doing. He wants you to put a name to your mistakes. He wants you to identify no longer by your name. He doesn't want you to identify as a Christ follower. He wants you to identify yourself as a drunk, as an addict, as someone with anger issues, someone who's emotionally unstable, an adulterer, hot-tempered. He wants you to no longer see yourself as a child of God, but rather an action that you've taken, a failure. That's heavy. Most people define themselves by their past failures. Matter of fact, I would say the large majority of people, because the large majority of people are losing at life. They're simply losing at life. Or you can do this, you can allow your past failures to refine them. The refining process. <laughs> the Bible says in Isaiah 48, 10, See, I have refined you. They're not as silver. I have tested you. In the furnace of affliction. Does anybody know the process of making silver and why God brought up silver there? They take the mineral silver. I don't know the temperature, but they run it through a flaming hot furnace where it melts down all the silver and it's got little grates in there so only the silver runs through. And so all the imperfections, the rock and the dirt and the mires left on top. But they don't do that one time. When that's all done and it hardens back up, they do it a second time and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time and a sixth time and a seventh time, seven times the number of completion. Seven times they run that silver through to get the purest silver. They refine the silver in the furnace of affliction. God's taking you through that furnace He's taking you through that bad relationship. He's taking you leaving that relationship. He's taking you starting over. He's taking you giving up alcohol. He's taking you working on the relationship with a family member. He's taking you trying to restore your marriage. He's taking you as you've lost everything and you're starting over and you're trying to figure out how to get your finances back in line. And he's taking you through the testing and the testing can define you or it can refine you. It can make you better. We don't want to go through the fire, but the reality is we've got to go through the valley to get to the mountain. You don't end up in the mountain without going through the valley. It's literally impossible. Mountains don't go to mountains to go to mountains to go to mountains. They're mountains. At the bottom of the mountain might be another mountain, but you've got to go through the valley to get to the mountain. Welcome to life, baby. But Gary, you don't know what I've been through. I don't give a crap. 
I don't mean that in a cold-hearted way. I simply mean I don't want to hear your freaking sob story because you don't want to hear my sob story. Life is hard. Accept it. Life has mountaintops and life has valleys. Accept it. If life was easy, everyone would win at it, but they don't. Matter of fact, most lose at it. Because I don't want to do the things that are necessary. Man. I, I, I normally ask before I tell a story. Actually, I keep saying that. I must be getting really bad about asking lately because I'm not asked. So I'm going to single out my brother-in-law for a minute. My wife and I were talking about him the other day. And I'm not going to go into his business. Whoops. Um, can't trip on it over there. He has been through some crap in, in the eight years I've known him. He has made some stupid decisions in the eight years I've known him. Yes. But I tell you this, he's worked at it. He's owned it. He's accepted. Like we were talking about, he's a completely different person than I knew eight years ago. Like winning, getting ready to set out and do some big things. You, but, but that's not even the big things. You can see it on the countenance in his face. You can see it how he deals with situations. He's not perfect. But you can just see how he does it. Why? Because he finally, I, I don't know what he was like before I knew him, but now he, he, he was refined by the mistakes. I wish I had like a real good video person. It'd be cool to tell video stories. Because right? I ain't letting you talk on stage because you'll ramble forever. But man... They can define you or they can refine you. This is when you allow your past mistakes to make you better. When you allow your past mistakes to be teaching moments. That doesn't mean they're not painful. And that doesn't mean there's not consequences to the people you hurt. But there's teaching moments. It's when you allow those scars to no longer hinder you. I was reading this week and they say a broken bone that is healed properly is stronger than a bone that was never broken. I didn't know that. Powerful. You are who you are today, good and bad, because of your past. And it can either define you or it can refine you. But I'm here to tell you today, if you want to live the life God created you for, if you want to live the life of purpose and the life of joy and the life of seizing every moment for all it is, and you want to win at life, and when I say win at life, I'm not talking about being a millionaire and having all kinds of toys. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. I'm just talking about winning and having that peace that passes all understanding and know you're living the purpose you were created for. That's winning at life. Get off Instagram where everybody's renting Lamborghinis to take pictures in and showing you they're winning at life. Everybody knows they're a fake. Winning at life is living life that God has for you and not worrying about what anyone thinks about it. Ooh. But you got to let it refine you. I've come to the conclusion, you'll find the surprising thing, and I was right, but we weren't always at this conclusion. My wife and I have come to the conclusion, we've had deep discussions lately that we just very simply do not care 
if any of you or anybody else approves of the decisions we make in life, we don't care. We don't care if our family members approve. It's not that we don't love our family members. And I'm not saying they disapprove. I don't care if our city government, as I dealt with this week, approves. And as much as I love all of you, I don't care if you approve. We are going to bathe the decisions we make in prayer. We're going to move forward. And those that are with us are with us, and those that are not aren't. And I hope you do the same thing in your life, because that's called freedom. And by freedom, I don't mean political freedom. I'm talking about freedom that comes in Christ. It's freedom and no longer allowing the haunting to control you. Someone left church the other day and gave me a handshake. Put something in my hand. I was hoping it was $1,000. It was a thumb drive. But that's weird. Thumb drive. I didn't know if it was like pictures of me snorting Coke or what. I've never snorted Coke, so I didn't know what it was. You know what I mean? They didn't say a word. They'd only been in church a couple times. A thumb drive. I forget about the thumb drive for a couple of days. I find the thumb drive. I stick in the thumb drive. When I tell you, Christine, if I'm lying, I'm dying, it had to have 2,000 documents on it. Of the deepest, I'm talking about doctorate level, deepness, of theological issues that I assume that this person disagreed with our church on. He gave me a card too, I, I, to email. I, I, man, I don't know the guy's heart. Let me make it clear. I, I don't know what, what, what the purpose was. You say, why? Because here's the deal. Might be the greatest person in the world. But if those are issues, you ain't going to make it long around here. I don't care about the biblical meaning of the earth's sun when it's at a 32-degree angle in circumference to the earth on the seventh month of the fourth sun and what that means as in, re- in relation to Revelation. I don't know. Someone said, we ought to break down Revelation. Let me break down Revelation for you. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. I don't know if it's going to be before the craziness or after the craziness or in the middle of the craziness, but here's the deal. He's coming. You say, why would you share a story? Because here's why. A year ago, that had made me angry. I would have emailed the person. It felt like I needed to go to lunch with them and debate with them and convince them why we were right. And I was just like, I don't care. I want to give them the benefit. I hope the guy is so deeply in love with the word of God that he's just scouring it. I don't think that was the deal. I think he wanted to argue but I don't care. I, it's okay that we might not be the church for him. Because we just keep it simple. 
If you want to truly make the most of your one shot life, it's going to be you deciding that your future will no longer be determined by your past. Let me repeat that again because I think you didn't hear me. I said it's deciding that your future will no longer be determined by your past. That's good preaching if a white boy is doing it. Sounds good. Preacher, my future, my past. You love to amen to those kind of things. But I got to be honest with you, it's easier said than done. Huh. Easier said than done. I, for years, was controlled by my past. So it's easy to preach on, and it's easy to get them and say, Bless God, that's why you only got a, you got a full window and only a little small rear view mirror. God doesn't want you looking in the past. He wants you moving forward. And bless God, yes! I did not feel good. I'm getting too old to be jacking up my leg. Listen. Listen. Some things, you know what I've had what I've learned? I've learned the easier it is to preach, the harder it is to live. Next week, I'm going to talk about the haunting of unforgiveness. Boy, it's easy to preach on forgiving. Jesus forgave you, bless God, you ought to forgive him. It's hard. I had a day yesterday where I was picturing my knuckles through somebody's face. I'm just being honest. Came home, told my wife. I said, I want to feel their blood. That's not, I'm just telling you, it's hard sometimes to forget people. That's next week's sermon. Mental things are the hardest to overcome. In a crowd this size, I don't know what it is in your past that you're struggling with. You know God's forgiven you of it. But we have a hard time forgiving ourselves of it. I don't know what it could be for you, but I can promise for many of you, there's a heaviness from things in your past. It might be past sexual activities. It might be past substance abuse issues. It might be decisions that you made that put your family in bad financial situations. It might be fam- it might be situations where you didn't protect your family when you should have protected your family. I don't know what it is, but you do. It might be something at the time seemed right, but years later you realized it was wrong. I have made decisions for my family that seemed right, only to watch them unravel and realize, man, I wasn't in tune with God in that decision. My heart was even in the, you know, your heart can even be in the right place at times and make the wrong decision. And they haunt you. For some of you, it might not be something that happened one time. It might be a reoccurring thing, man. You've got something that's got you in bondage, and you keep trying to give it up and give it up, and you give it up for three days and four days and five days, or even months at a time, and all of a sudden, boom, you're right back down that path. For some of you, it might be something that someone did to you. How about that? You've got to move past what someone did to you, and you weren't even wrong. You couldn't control what they did to you. You were too young. At the time. But it replays over and over and over. You're angry that the person that should have protected you didn't protect you. You know you couldn't control it, but they could have. And it replays and it replays and it replays. 
Some of you made bad decisions years ago that are catching up with you today. A lot of that has to do with our health, man. We make bad health decisions for years and years and years. All of a sudden, it catches up with us. I know people today that are divorced, people that have walked out on relationships, and they look back and they regret that they ever walked out on those relationships. The past, it could eat at you. David said this in Psalms 38, where he said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Ah, that's raw right there. My guilt has overwhelmed me. It's like a burden that's too heavy to bear. Some of you, oh, oh, this is good. Some of you made the right decision. But the right decision still had consequences. Maybe it affected your kids who didn't understand that it was the right decision. woo That's good. And you're beating yourself up over the right decision. Because sometimes the right decision... That will lead to long-term... Golly, I can't even walk today. I, I could share with you why, but I'm not going to. Listen, I could share. It's not shoes, trust me. Not shoes. Listen, listen, listen. Oh, man, this is good. I don't even know if we'll get to the points today. You made a decision that's going to give you long-term freedom. But you got to go sh- through short-term pain. That's amazing. And you feel guilty about it because it's affecting your children or affecting your spouse. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Man. Here's what I hope you'll understand. Hear me clearly. Every saint of God, every great person that has ever been used, every saint has a past. And every sinner has a future. Every saint, every person that you think, gosh, look at their mature walking. Gosh, if I could have what they have. Man, if I could have the marriage they have. or They have a past of heartache and they have a bus that has run over people. Stacked full of bodies to get where they are today. And every sinner, that sinner that you think is too far gone, shows that you have a small God that you serve because every sinner has a future. Who are you in your arrogance to think there's no hope for somebody because there was hope for you? Bible says God picked, David said, God picked me up out of the, the miry clean. He set my feet on a solid rock. People don't change, but God changes people. I am glad I am no longer what I did. There's people in this community who still see me as that. There's, I'm, I'm glad I'm no longer what I did last week. We got into it Thursday night. I'm glad I'm no longer who I was Thursday night when Christine was wrong and got me mad for no reason at all. But how do we overcome our past? Very quickly, very quickly, very quickly, we need to understand some things. The first thing is this. Our biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. Our biggest sins, you know my pet peeve, my pet peeve. 
Someone told me this Friday night. I come to your church, but I don't want the roof to cave in. Shut up. You're so arrogant you think you can make this roof cave in? David Westrick comes to this church, and the roof didn't cave in. Gary Lamb goes to this church, and the roof didn't cave in. Do I even got to say it? Rick Cope goes to this church. My podcast partner is convinced, legitimately convinced. Uncle Randy is legitimately convinced that Rick has killed people and they are buried in the ground. And I can't, I don't know. I I don't feel enough confidence to be like, no, I don't know. I like to think probably not. Not Papa Rick. I don't know. And the roof didn't cave in. Who do you think you are? Our biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. I've been a Christ follower for 25 years on one thing. I've been a pastor for 24 years, 25 years. And one thing I have become acutely aware of is that people are consumed by guilt. And let me make this very clear to you today. Guilt is not from God. It never has been. It's from straight from the devil. Guilt is not from God. See, guilt paralyzes action. I can't move because I'm guilt-ridden. I'm never going to conquer this. I'm never going to get over this failure, so, so why even try? Guilt breeds self-hatred. We begin to hate ourselves. We just stew on it. We begin to loathe ourselves because of guilt. The Bible talks about this thing called conviction. Now, God will bring about conviction in your life, but he will not bring about guilt. Guilt is to beat you up. Conviction is to change you. The Holy Spirit of God will move on you and begin to convict you of your actions. And that conviction, again, can either define you or refine you. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That word purify again. It's refining. We've got to own up to our sins. You know why most people never get over their struggles is they'll never admit they have a struggle. Anybody ever known an addict that will never, just never, they've literally lost everything in their life, every relationship, everything, and they still won't admit they have a problem? It's mind-blowing. Everyone else sees it, but they're too prideful to say, you know what, I'm an addict. When I lost everything, man, I was hit the neck. I was like, ego, pride, cockiness, arrogance, sin. I'm all those things. Christine and I were talking about some things recently at counseling. She's like, I didn't know those things about you. I said, you didn't know that me. I owned up to my stuff and spent years changing those things. Golly. We need to treat our life like an Etch-A-Sketch. It's gone. That's what God does to it. Think about this. You're beating yourself up about your past sins and God don't even remember them. Huh? 
It's as far as the east is from the west. Man. He says in Jeremiah 31, 34, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Someone told me the other day, I think it's been a while, they'd had an abortion. They were years ago, years ago, 20-something years ago, if I remember correctly. Well, she said, I pray every day that God... I said, why? What do you mean? I said, why do you pray every day? I want God... I said, you only had to pray that one time. You only had to ask that forgiveness one time. I said, you're, you're wasting your time asking God to forgive something he don't even remember anymore. <laughs> but the devil remembers it. And he's making you remember it. And you can't move on. Man... I will forgive their wickedness. The all-powerful, all-knowing God chooses to no longer remember. But Gary, you don't know what I did. But God does. And he covers it. Your biggest sin, the only sin you don't get to come back from, It's dying without knowing Christ. Because once you're dead, it's too late. What about suicide, Gary? The Bible never says suicide. Samson is in the hall of faith. He killed himself. Quit, Quit buying the lies that the scare tactics the church makes up. I gotta get done. I'm hungry. Our biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. You are not what you have done. You are who God says you are. What you have done does not define you. What you have done is not your identity. You are the very identity and the very product of the one who breathed life into you. You are a child of Christ. God God wants to come along and remind you that you're his child. Satan wants to come along and have you personalize your sin. I'm an adulterer. I'm a whore. I'm a junkie. I'm a drunk. I'm a thief. I'm a liar. No, 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 no. Those things are what you did, not who you are. You're a child of Jesus Christ. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, loved you so much that he spoke you into existence. He told Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And not only did I know you before you were in your mother's womb, I called you and I separated you for what? A purpose. You might have been a surprise to mommy and daddy. You did not surprise God. Your mommy and daddy, I I hate to be this way, your mommy and daddy might not have wanted you. They might have neglected you your whole life. You might have been a burden to them. But God created you for a purpose. God doesn't create junk. He doesn't create mess-ups. He creates children who follow his purpose. And he makes our greatest mess our greatest ministry. Not what you've done. You're who God says you are. God says you're chosen. God says you're anointed. God says you're called. 
God says you're his. How dare you slap God in the face and you identify yourself as anything other than his. Man. Psalms 139, 14, David said, I praise you because I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. You look in the mirror at disgust at what you are, and I believe you ought to take care of yourself. Don't, don't, I'm not saying that. And we ought to be the best. That's just the temple and all that good junk. But God made you the way he wanted you. And what an insult to the creator to be unhappy with the creation. God, we have in church today. I am anyway. Man. Oh, check this out. Sin, screw-ups, your past, sin is an event, not a person. Sin is an event. It's an action. It's not a person. I've told you this, we have them in our, I told you, you heard me say this a hundred times, we have two huge AA meetings. I mean, huge. Probably the Friday night meeting is the biggest meeting in Cherokee County. It's amazing. I love AA. I think AA helps a lot of people. My pet peeve with AA is, I'm Gary, and I'm an alcoholic. I'll be damned if I'm going to identify myself by my sin Instead of, I'm Gary, a child of the king. Let people label you. Let people mock you. Let people call you what they want to call you. When you realize that you're winning in life, you don't care. I could ask for a show of hands, and a lot of you be able to raise your hand. I've had this conversation with you. Hey, Gary, did you hear what so-and-so is saying about you? I don't care. I turn around and walk away. I don't care. I'm more curious why they felt comfortable to talk to you about it. You know why they came to you and said it? Because you let them. But other people's opinions of me are none of my business. I don't care. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I had to go through all the mess I went through to be here. So either this is my blessing or this is my punishment. <laughs> there are days I debate it, I don't know. People ask me all the time. My, my, my past mistake was a little more visible than most people's. Don't you wish you could go back and change it? No. Uh-uh. Never. Ever, ever, ever. Because all that had to happen for me to be where I am today. And it was hell to get here. But I dig it. I dig where I am today. I'd go through it all again to have you in my life. Have my family in my life. To be where I am at in my career. Not what I've done. Who God says I am. 
Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. I love them little men. If you knew me five years ago, let me reintroduce myself. But if you knew me five years ago, let me reintroduce myself. You knew me B.C. before Christ, let me reintroduce myself. You knew me after Christ when I still screw up. Hey, when you know me today, let me reintroduce myself in two years. I won't be the same person. Man. You know Jesus, man. You're forgiven bad news. If you don't, you're not. But you can be. But you can be. Simply got to have a relationship with him. Last thing, you cannot change your past but Jesus can change your future. You can't go back and change it, but you can own it. It's too late for me, Gary. Oh, you're dead? I know you look dead. Sometimes you smell dead. Sometimes when I'm around you, I wish I was dead. But if you're alive, you can change your future. If I'd have had a bad relationship with my family and I knew I only had 10 years to live, I'd make every change I could to make sure those next 10 years were the greatest 10 years of my life. But you're comfortable in your discomfort. The known misery to you is better than the unknown joy. It's pitiful. It's flat out weak. If I was to go do a, make a decision today that cost me my marriage and cost me everything, I don't mean this in a flippant way like I want to lose my life. I don't want to start over. I'm too old. But by God, I'd start over. Because I'm not going to quit living at 45. I'm not going to stop living at 55. I'm not going to stop living at 65. I'm counting on them learning how to freeze my head and bring me back on some young muscular body. And I got another 70, 80 years. Mine, I still know what it knew before. I'm just kidding. I can't change my past, but Christ can change your future. I get it. You shouldn't have done what you did. Learn from it. But I've hurt people. You did. I get it. I get it. Be there for the people you hurt. But at the end of the day, the people you hurt can't run over you. Like at the end of the day, man, you hurt them. You've asked for forgiveness. Move on. I get it. Trust me. Been there. Done that. Both sides of it. I put my family in a weird position. I get it. But they're still there. They're stuck with you. No, they're not there. They left. I'm sorry. But you're still there. Christ can change your future. (laughs) Can't change your past, but Christ can change your future. Every time your spiritual enemy tries to remind you of your past, Satan says that you're this and you're that that you're nothing, that you've been defeated, you remind yourself that the risen Christ lives within you. 
You do not have to live life as a victim. You can live it as a victor. And I'm going to make it real simple for you. You know where that starts? I'm doing a series here soon, maybe November, maybe next, or January, I can't remember. On the power of the mind. As a man thinketh, so he is, the Bible says. Christine's day started bad yesterday. I could hear it. I knew she was around people who would feed into that negative energy. I said, take me off speakerphone. I said, you need to change your mindset because your day's not going to get any better. And I said, as you verbally speak, you're just going to feed into the negativity around you and they're going to make it worse. Normally she would argue with me. She said, you're right. I asked her later, I said, how do you? I'm not always right, so by the way. I mean, 9.9 times out of 10, I'm right, but not always. 9.99, I mean, be modest. That's right, I said, she's, oh, you're right. I had to nip some stuff in the bud. I had to have a mindset change. She said, I didn't want it to roll down to Emily, who was about to go into something, who was starting to have the same mindset. Because misery loves company. We love to, negativity loves to breed on negativity. I said, there's nothing you can do to change any of it. And then I hate when God does this. That was in the morning. Last night I had to drive to Carrollton for my son. Let me tell you this. I say this in the most loving way possible. There's no reason in life to drive past the Town Lake Parkway exit. Why? Traffic merging onto 75? Like, why is it hard to merge onto 285? Like, why? Like, what, what is complicated about that? And then, I, 20? Like, down to Carol? It was hard. Like, I'm getting angry. I'm getting mad. And everything I told her that morning, she tells me that afternoon. Can't change it. She wasn't being manipulative. She was just, can't change it. You're going to make it in time. Just get down there. On the way home, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. Hey, we'll be here when you get home. Don't worry about it. Changing my mindset. Stuck on that worship music. Got there. It was awesome. But you got to change your mindset. Can't change your past, but Jesus can change your future. I'm done right here. Philippians 3. Now that I have already obtained all this, this is Paul, by the way. He's in prison, about to die. Now that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, not that I have already obtained or already but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind me. And I strain towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. I press on to win that prize to which God has called me heavenward to Christ Jesus. He said, I'm pressing towards the goal of heaven while I'm on earth, man, to live as Christ and to die as again, I'm going to make the most out of this life. All of us then, when we're mature, should take such a view. When we're mature, I know some 60-year-old immature people. 40-year-old immature people. 45, dang it. When we're mature, we should take such a view of this and point to think differently that too God will take clear to you. When we're mature, what should we have a mindset change? that we forget what's behind us 
and we strive towards the future. Your past, guess what it is? It's your past. So why are you living there? Why are you letting it haunt you? When the whole future is before you. Let's pray.